Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez. I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. Welcome back, everybody, to the Aviation Mentors Podcast. Uh, Today, we're talking about something that's really a big concern uh, with every pilot, and that's emergencies. Uh, What constitutes an emergency? What kind of governs emergencies? Things like that. Uh, we've talked about things going wrong a few times on other other episodes, uh, and during flight training, we train for almost every type of emergency. At least we're supposed to. <laughs> um, that's a whole other topic, by the way. A lot of a lot of people don't train the proper way uh, for emergencies, so when one happens, it can be a bit of a surprise to them. Uh, but we talk from everything about engine failures to fires. That's probably the most common thing on when you're flight training. You talk about, but there's a whole bunch of other things, and we don't necessarily talk about how to declare an emergency enough, and what constitutes one. We always talk about it in kind of an idea perspective, but never really get into when you should declare an emergency, what's an emergency, and the fallacy of, oh, it's just going to be in a bunch of paperwork, or you're going to get in trouble for doing it. So we're going to kind of address a bunch of those things today. Uh, but uh, I think Carson's going to start it off today and talk about emergencies. Yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting topic. Not really a fun one, uh, but it's definitely an exciting one and, and one that people like to hear about. That's why there's so many... Uh, so, you know, something like YouTube channels about airplane aviation crashes and all these stories. Um, emergencies are interesting to people. So let's start with the basics. If you feel like you have an emergency, declare one. It won't hurt you. It's only going to help you. And if a controller feels like you have an emergency or a situation that can develop into one, they can actually declare one for you. Uh, it's something not a lot of people know. And the easiest way to declare an emergency is call whatever frequency you're on. Uh, make sure it's a monitored or a controlled frequency. And call that frequency and state you have an emergency. The proper way to declare one is actually say mayday, 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 or pan, pan for urgency. Uh, the exact method of declaring one is actually in the AIM. It's chapter six, and everyone's listening should go and read it, refresh your memory on it. Uh, it's something that you should always be current on uh, pretty much any time you're going to go fly because you never know what's going to happen. Uh, in addition to AIM chapter six, FAR 91.3 also tells you what you can do um, and lets you know that you're actually able to do almost anything to ensure the safety of a flight and essentially all rules that there are all regulations um, it, you know, within reason are pretty much put aside and you can do anything you need to to get yourself on the ground safely. Yeah. I mean, the, the goal is if you have an emergency to get, get there safely, get your passengers there safely, wherever there is, whether there is a field, there is an airport, um, or there's the middle of the freeway. Uh, I know we've seen that a few times in the past few years in California, uh, pilots landing on freeways, and it's because we're, we've got s- such densely populated areas. There's no other place to land. You either land on the freeway or you land, uh, I guess, at an airport. Um, there are fields and stuff around, but they're, they're not as much as in the middle of our country. If you, you go fly in, in Kansas or Oklahoma or something, you're going to see a lot more fields you can land in, uh, a lot more a lot more runways you can you can make out of nothing so yeah that's uh that's right i mean uh 90 91.3 tells you uh it's just pic rules and basically you're the pilot pilot in command so do whatever you need to do uh to get yourself on the ground or on the field or on the freeway if it may seem so uh but that's all great info and i i agree fully on on all of it but there's some things that make you wonder what is an emergency so i'm going to talk about a whole bunch of them that what is an emergency and what kind of constitutes an emergency Uh, So the first one I'm going to bring up is probably one of the most common ones, uh, especially if you're a private pilot, and that is sickness. 
Uh, so are you getting sick? Are you getting motion sickness? Uh, and more importantly, and probably more often than not, are your passengers sick? Um, so sickness could be anything from, oh, you've got a flu to a head cold to uh, probably the most common one is your passengers just throwing up all over the place. Uh, so sickness is a really, is a really big one. Um, I've had lots of passengers throw up in my airplanes before, uh, namely my son, Austin. He's not going to like that. I called him out on this, but when he was a little kid, he used to get motion sickness quite a bit. And, uh, and I think he did it once again, not too long ago. Uh, another one is, is fire. Uh, that's probably the most severe in my opinion. If you have a fire on an airplane, that's not going to end very well, uh, pretty much no matter what you're doing. Uh, so you, you always want to try to get that fire out. Um, your, your POH and your checklist will probably give you instructions on how to get a fire out uh, and depending where that fire is will depend on how you should handle that fire emergency um, so i'm not going to tell you all the different ways so check your poh and it will tell you what to do in case of a fire but regardless that is a severe emergency like declare immediately um, call whoever you're on the on on uh on frequency with or, or just call immediately it's super important um, another one is your systems aren't working. Well, systems could be your airspeed just went out. Uh, could be uh, you could be flying IMC and your attitude indicator goes out. Uh, could also mean your radios are starting to go out or have gone out. Um, anything that impedes the safety of a flight. So anything. I mean, if you've got, uh, uh, I saw a YouTube video a while back. It's got, this guy had a cat in the middle of his wing. Um, and he had, they had fabric, wing, fabric wings. Uh, now that doesn't sound like that much of an emergency, except for maybe that cat, he's not strapped in, right? He could fall out of the airplane or she could fall out of the airplane. Uh, so the, it's more of an emergency for that cat, but think about this, the cats have claws and if you have paper, paper, well, not paper, but, um, uh, fabric wings, a cat can scratch through those wings. And what if they just freak out and they just start scratching all over the place? I don't think that happened in that video. I think the cat survived. Um, and the pilot just looked really surprised seeing a cat in their wing. Uh, but that can be an emergency. So another one that's really probably the most common is your engine is not producing enough power. Um, and also, I believe that this one is also one that, that student pilots kind of mess up on, on, on thinking is an emergency or not. But it's better to think it's an emergency and it, have it not be later on than not declaring in the first place. And this is engine not producing full power. So if an engine is not producing full power, it could be a number of different reasons. It could be a fuel flow issue. It could be fuel filter issue. It could, it's usually a fuel issue, to be honest. Uh, it could also be a, a carb icing issue. It could be all sorts of things. But a lot of airplanes have different um, pitches of propellers. So the propeller will be pitched differently. And a lot of people probably heard the, the term climb prop or cruise prop. And depending on what your airplane has, like my Cessna 120 uh, has a cruise prop. So when I put in full power, it does not produce as much RPM on takeoff as it does in cruise flight. Um, I don't know what the exact RPM it produces, but I think the max is like 25 or 2700 RPM in that particular airplane. Um, if you have a climb prop, it's going to produce 25 to 27, uh, 100 RPM on that climb. Uh, it's going to be producing all the power. So sometimes when students go from one airplane to another and they go from like a cruise prop to a, a climb prop or vice versa, they kind of get confused and think the engine's not producing power, but it is. So I think that's why you should always get checked out in new airplanes, even if it's the same air, same type of airplane. A Cessna 172 is a Cessna 172, most people think. And yes, you are right. As long as you know kind of the 
the nuances of each the radios the the pitch of the prop um if it has the 150 hundred uh, horsepower engine the 160 or 180 if it's carbureted if it's um if it's if it's fuel injected there's a bunch of different things so an airplane is an airplane but if you don't know the nuances you might be confused and think it is an emergency situation but if you did think it's one declare just just do it uh, another one is uh when you're doing twin training you're doing a lot of single engine uh engine out stuff um with single engine uh training you actually have to turn off a, a motor uh, i did it with carson once how did you like when i turned off that engine with you I'd always thought when you're flying two engines, if you lose an engine, you're, you're fine. You still have one engine. Uh, it's all cool until you actually only have one and you see that one is just completely stopped. And it's not so cool anymore to think about. It's, it feels so unnatural seeing, you know, something that should be spinning and pushing you forward. Just totally stop. Uh, it was it was fun. It was exciting. And I know I had a, a good MEI teaching me, but it was scary. Yeah, the first time, first time you turn off an engine on purpose is, is a little nerve wracking. Um, now, turning off one engine on a on a twin is not necessarily an emergency situation. Um, it's a practiced emergency situation, and and one engine will get you to wherever you need to go. Usually, if the right density, altitude, the right weight, um, all the all the different things for multi engine flying. Uh, but if the engine doesn't turn back on, and you're flying in high density altitude, or or a number of factors, uh, maybe you're just not maintaining altitude even when you're you're flying uh, above blue line in that twin. Uh, that turns into an emergency situation. You're going to have to go land uh, a twin single engine, uh, which basically when you pull the power all the way back on landing, it turns into a normal gliding airplane. But until then, it has a lot of adverse yaw. I mean, a ton of adverse yaw. So that is definitely an emergency situation. I know lots of lots of people who have landed twins on single engines. I've done it myself. Um, and it is or can be considered an emergency. So declare. Another one is low fuel. That one inherently is not an emergency. Um, just on the face value of it, if you report low fuel or min fuel to a controller, that's not an emergency and they won't declare it for you. Um, but if if you definitely need priority, priority, and they're not giving it to you, then you need to declare. If you're really low on fuel and you're like, I'm barely going to make it to this airport. Now, that can be mitigated. You should have never left in the first place if you didn't have enough fuel, or you should have you should have added a stop. There's no reason why you should extend, extend, extend like most people do. Another thing is getting lost. Getting lost is harder and harder to do uh, now in the day and age of, of for flight, but it can happen. Uh, there's GPS outages. Uh, there's all sorts of things that can, that can make you get lost. Or you can be on your first cross country as a student pilot, and you just don't know that much about uh, aviation yet, and you don't have the maps. Um, you can't read them as well. Uh, things like that. So you can get lost, and that can turn into an issue. And the last one I think is probably the most scary and it will kill a ton of pilots. So if this happens to you, you should do two things. You should declare an emergency immediately, talk to somebody immediately. Um, and that's VFR into instrument meteor, uh, meteorological conditions. So uh, going into IFR, when you are only VFR rated and you're only flying VFR. Uh, there's a lot of rules for IFR and a lot of them are meant to keep you, actually all of them are meant to keep you safe, but a lot of them are keep or to keep you high enough so you stay out of the way of terrain, uh, not just other airplanes. The terrain is what it's really going to kill you in the IFR if you fly into a mountain that you couldn't see. So you really want to be careful with that. I would say that's probably, probably the most common and um, biggest mistakes that 
that pilots and student pilots make if they fly into IMC, they're really afraid uh, to let a controller know that you just accidentally flew into IMC. Tell them, they will help you. They will help you really quickly, by the way, uh, because they want you to stay safe. But like I was saying, there's two things you should do. One, declare, shouldn't do it in the first place either, but um, declare, and then number two, turn around immediately because you knew right where you just came from, it was VFR. So make sure you turn around for sure. And something I was thinking about, uh, like when you said low fuel, it's it's something you shouldn't do. Um, obviously, a lot of these things you shouldn't do. But if you get into that situation, it's better to just admit it. That, that's you know step one in any emergency is admitting you have an emergency. Uh, so it's better to be safe and embarrassed that you had to land in, with an emergency because you had low or no fuel than to end up crashing somewhere because you didn't want to admit it and get that priority you needed. Um, there's actually another pretty funny story that I have. Uh, I, I went flying with Kevin Strange, uh, super awesome CFI that I'd flown with a couple times. And I told him I wanted to do a lesson only about emergencies. I, I wanted to to learn how to handle an emergency. So he said, okay, no problem. Let's do it. So we scheduled it. We did ground for a while uh, on something that could definitely make another episode. We talked about things that could kill you now and kill you later and how to really prioritize what kind of emergency you're having. And then we went up and he said, hey, do you mind if my kid joins us? And so I was like, yeah, no problem. Let's go. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be a cool flight. And so his kid got in the back and we're flying uh, flying the Arrow, my favorite plane. And we went up for a while and he started started throwing things one after another back to back. He'd put foggles on, say, you just flew into a cloud. How are you going to get out of it? You know, we turned around 180 and we started heading towards San Bernardino area. Um, he was like, all right, land at San Bernardino. And so we went to go land at San Bernardino. He's like, oh, Coyote on the runway, go around. Uh, so one thing after another, and we went in for a landing, and he had actually turned off, um, or he'd, he'd pulled that circuit breaker for uh, for my landing gear. So I I'd, I'd, you know, thought I had no landing gear, and so I had to go through all the ways to get my landing gear to come down. Um, then I finally figured out it was the fuse or circuit breaker. It took me a little bit longer, I'd like to admit. Uh, so <laughs> I figured that one out. And then we were over Redlands at like 4,000 feet. And his kid was like, hey, dad, I'm not feeling too good. And then he was like, what? Started like making like yakking noises. And he's like, Carson, my kid feels like crap. He's throwing up. He's like, we need to land. And he started like getting me like really like really psyched out. And he's like, find an airport. I was right over Redlands. I couldn't find it because I was like so like psyched out. I was like, I can't find an airport. <laughs> so I found, I was like on top of the airport, went down and uh, we landed. And I looked back. I was like, hey, kid, you doing all right? And he was like, had a big old smile on his face. I'm doing great. Turns out Kevin and his kid had planned that the whole time. His kid was practicing in the car how he's going to tell me. <laughs> so overall, doing a whole flight on emergencies, it, it really helped out. Really got me to understand what it was like to, you know, be really amped up and have a lot thrown at you. Um, even though it was totally simulated, he he definitely got me going. That's a really cool story. I've never heard that story, but it sounds like something Kevin would do. Oh yeah. Um, by the way, Kevin uh, graduated the National Test Pilot School, um, and now he's a test pilot for. Uh, for one of my favorite companies, Icon Aircraft. Um, so uh, Kevin's a great guy, great CFI, brilliant, brilliant CFI. I hope he's listening to this because uh, he, he deserves kudos, especially for that flight. That's awesome. And the fact that he got his son to, to get in there and do it with him, that's even better. But uh, speaking of that story, it reminds me of a story that I had, actually. Um, I took off uh, from Riverside one day with Austin, and we were in a, a 172. And I thought I had a comms failure. So I took off. Austin starts feeling sick. He starts throwing up for real. Um, I thought, I was like, oh, what's going on? And I like turned down the radio unconsciously. 
And I didn't realize I turned down the radio because I was trying to talk with Austin. We're having trouble communicating with each other because he's throwing up and I'm like all flustered. I just took off. I'm at like 500 feet above the ground. Um, we were we were going to go fly somewhere. I don't even know where we were going to go fly, but we ended up entering the the downwind uh, for Riverside and I have no no comms. I keep on trying to talk and I'm like trying to to hear them and I can't hear anything. There's nothing and I'm flying and apparently uh, ATC was or or the controller controller at the control tower was telling me uh, that I'm cleared to land, but I couldn't hear him. Uh, I kept on trying to communicate and press my push to talk and I couldn't hear anything. And so I squawked 7,600 for comms failure and I ended up landing and I didn't even get any, any lights or anything. Now I was looking around to see, is there anybody around here? Is there anything happening? And then as I'm taxiing, I look, look down and I see the radio was turned all the way down. The volume was just down and I could not figure it out. And it was all because of a stressful situation that I was in. And I was like, I just need to get on the ground. I don't have any communications. I don't have anything. So they actually declared the emergency for me. Um, and they just cleared people away and, and made sure that I could land. But I squawked 7,600 for comms failure. And they already knew, hey, he, he can't talk to anybody. He's coming in. So um, it was kind of a learning experience. But um, I mean, even the best of us, we can we can get overwhelmed with situations. And, and when you were telling me that overwhelming situation that you had with Kevin doing all those different things, it just reminded me, oh, yeah. That happened to me and it was a pretty crazy situation. I called uh, ATC when I got on the ground and I realized I fixed my radio and I apologized to him, but they were so cool about it. I told them what happened and uh, there was no report made. There was no paperwork. There was no nothing. It was just, oh, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you're safe on the ground. And I said, thanks for their help. And they were awesome as usual. Uh, the guys at Riverside Tower are always just amazing people to work with. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, that brings me to my next point, actually. Um, yeah, when you're communicating with yeah, having an emergency, there's a frequency you're supposed to go and talk on. It's 121.5. It's also called guard frequency. And all airlines uh, monitor it in addition to ATC. So everyone's listening all the time. Uh, it's the emergency frequency, and it should be used if you're not already in communication with ATC or if you're in an uncontrolled environment. Uh, so like I said earlier, when you're talking about mayday, 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 make sure you're on a controlled or monitored frequency. If you're not on one, this is the one you go and talk on and let everybody know you have an emergency. In addition to 121.5, you can also use your transponder. So you can squawk 7,700 for an emergency, 7,600 for comms failure, and most exciting one, I think, is 7,500 for hijacking. Uh, that's one that I hope that nobody ever has to use. Uh, and you could also even use 7777 for military intercept. So you want to tell us a little bit more about that last one, Brian? Because I haven't heard about that one. Yeah, I would. I I don't ever want to use it, but it kind of be kind of cool if you if we did. Uh, so seven 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 is a military interception code. So what happens is if you're flying, I don't know, through a restricted airspace or or something, uh, or you just do something that you shouldn't do, uh, you could have a F sixteen come on the side of your wing and start wagging their wings, say follow me, and uh, and you're supposed to squawk seven 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 seven, and then you're also supposed to talk on 121.5 to that to that uh, other airplane and they're going to tell you all the bad things you did and uh and they're going to bring you to a a nice military base and have, i'm sure they're gonna have a wonderful conversation with you among other things so one of those uses i can think of is uh flying into a presidential tfr we've had a couple of those around uh, los angeles san diego the last couple of days or coming up actually today. yeah today yeah so uh you know flying into that's a pretty big one remember that story about the student pilot flying into the washington dc 
TFR? I don't. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Flew straight into it, not knowing that, you know, they're flying over the White House pretty much. Wow. Yeah, they got intercepted real fast. <laughs> sure. They probably got lucky they didn't get blown out for sure. Yeah, getting blown out of the sky. Um, so, you know, you talked about talking with ATC when you got on the ground, and they're always really cool. They're happy to help. I'm sure it's actually the most exciting part of their day from the monotony of flight training. So what is ATC doing when you declare an emergency? So they're making you the priority in the sky or on the ground. Uh, they'll clear an entire airspace for you. They'll make a runway available for you. Actually, they'll make all runways available for you. They'll even make taxiways available for landing if need be. Um, I've seen an airport clear every single one. They've, I've, had, I've heard people get told, uh, taxi back to your original location. Uh, don't contact me. I've heard... Um, anybody outside of the airspace stay out. I mean, controllers will just start speaking regular English instead of controller speak. Uh, there is a pilot controller glossary that kind of talks about uh, a bunch of things that they could talk about and say and the way that they're supposed to act. And um, there's even even a document. I don't have it right in front of me, uh, but it's I don't know. It's like 7421 or something like that. It's an FAA document. Uh, that's like the rules for ATC, and it tells exactly uh, what what they need to do. Don't quote me on the name of that exact document. I have to look it up. I don't have it offhand, and I can't search it on my computer while we're doing this right now. But uh, but yeah, there is a document that explains exactly what ATC is supposed to do. Uh, so they will clear everything for you. Uh, I even saw actually last week I was flying. Uh, I was doing some IFR stuff with a friend of mine in a Cirrus. And we were doing practice approaches and we were about to do our final practice approach. And we were in Ontario's Clash Charlie airspace with ATC SoCal approach. And somebody departed a jet out of Ontario without a clearance, an IFR jet without a clearance. And it screwed up all the traffic in the entire sector that that controller actually canceled or told everybody in his airspace to leave. Like literally everybody. There were probably, I don't know, from what I could tell, 10 to 15 airplanes in his in his airspace and he told everybody to get out they're like depart my airspace squawk vfr frequency change approved like everybody he'd put us on a heading tell us to get out um which everybody did i don't know what happened next because i changed the frequency and i got out of his airspace um but i'm not sure how long that took but that was kind of an emergency for him uh because he didn't know where that airplane was going he thought that airplane was going in a few minutes later um, air traffic control will get rid of people for you and make you the priority. Um, so declare that emergency. Don't worry about uh, about about what's going to happen next. Worry about what's happening now. And right now is the emergency. They also mark their screen with an EM next to your little data data block, typically, and that EM stands for emergency. So they're going to make you a priority. It also, I think, on some screens, it even changes color. I'm not a controller, so I don't know the exact stuff on this, but. I have seen controllers, for lack of a better word, panels, uh, and I have seen those data blocks, and they will identify each airplane with different things. Just like when you press ident, um, it actually makes your your data block blink to ATC. And if you didn't know that, now you do. It blinks to ATC, so they can just look for the blinking airplane. They're like, oh, that's you. Now I identified you. Um, so everyone thinks there's going to be paperwork. I explained with my little situation with Austin with my 7600 uh, squawk. Um, that there was no paperwork that day. Uh, don't worry about it. it. Like I said, the, the emergency is the emergency. Go ahead and take care of it. Uh, also, if you think you did something wrong uh, in that emergency, go file a NASA report the moment you get on the ground. We talked about NASA reports a couple months ago. 
Um, go back in that episode and listen to it if you if you haven't yet. Uh, but NASA reports are not necessarily a get out of jail free card, but pretty darn close to it. Um, it it just allows our system to be a lot safer. So I would highly recommend filling out a NASA report regardless. Uh, and uh, if you did something really wrong, go go talk to an attorney. <laughs> so, uh, but otherwise, always declare an emergency. Do what's safe. Get your airplane on the ground. Get your the safety of your passengers on the ground. You want to make sure that uh, everybody is is going to be alive and well the for your next flight because you want to go do some more flying. I'm sure. Yeah, making it out of an emergency, it's something that we train for uh, pretty much day in and day out. Every time you go up almost during your flight training, you're going to be doing something emergency related. And emergencies might not be super common for you, but it has to be something you're prepared for it every time. And it's a risk every time that you go fly. It's something you accept, uh, even though it's not one that you want to happen. And that being said, something we often say in aviation is aviate, navigate, communicate. Only your CFI can really tell you how to uh, aviate navigating that's something that you can handle but communicating is something we discussed today and i hope that that communicate part makes you feel a little more confident you can handle pretty much anything that comes your way couldn't have said it better myself so carson as always and we'll let everyone know where to find us so if you'd like to reach out to either one of us you can reach us at twitter or instagram for me it's at mr martini guy for carson it's at carson underscore av17 or you can reach us at brandon at aviationmentors.com or carson at aviationmentors.com and as a wrap up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride. And make sure you come visit us at Sun and Fun. 